0: He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out...
1: Who cares? I care.
0: It's true. She cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master Anthony Ballotta. She's his Agent 99 and you're about to be bellotta episode of Bulatified, the one and only pod about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta and I'm here as I am every single week with the always delicious, always optimistic Alexia Cristina Postelides. Opa! Opa!
1: Hi, Hi!
0: how are you this afternoon, morning, evening, whatever it is? I'm,
1: I'm okay, but I have every fan and the air conditioning, which I have not run the air conditioning really at all and have everything on right now.
0: We're having
1: a heat wave. You're bringing me right back into menopause, the musical with that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm it's start supposed, twitching. Oh, my goodness, it is supposed to warm up here in Southern California this week. Although, uh, I almost hate to say this because it's going to sound like uh, I'm bragging, but the weather has been unbelievably delicious as of late, especially in the evenings those cool evenings yes. that I remember we had when I first moved here, and it seemed that we had lost touch with those cool evenings in the middle of August but they they were back at least for at least until now we'll see what happens yes. tonight yes
1: uh, it, it, sadly I have to say I've been noticing a fall chill in the air even through the heat so it's making me a little sad but that's okay I'll, I'll survive
0: so keep your Fanny Willis's on and we'll uh <laughs> we'll cool you down <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I got today That's all I got today.
1: Well, is there anything else on your mind? Anything important you want to share?
0: Actually, I do have a little something I'd like to share. Let's get
2: tipsy!
0: (laughs) See? Is to turn off and discover the magic of solitude. That's right, solitude. The word can be controversial, as some may conjure up notions of loneliness and isolation. But upon reading, Lead Yourself First by Raymond Kethledge and Michael Irwin, a book recommended to me by my fellow uh, SDSU graduate, Charlene Liu, who heard it from Brene Brown. I was reminded again how effective a tool solitude can be when it's practiced with intention. You see, I had participated in a workshop many moons ago based on Julia Cameron's The Artist Way, a workbook designed to help unwind the creative mind, which, as Julia points out in the book, becomes bogged down by the litany of messages it is constantly taking in. And today, those messages are louder and greater in number than ever before. One of the exercises in the book is to turn off the radio, the computer, the television, and turn away from the newspaper, the book, the work, all inputs, and just focus on your breathing. This allows you to mind, this allows your mind, excuse me, to process what is clogging you up and weighing you down, thus freeing up the creative side of the brain. In Lead Yourself First, for example, solitude practiced by Dwight D. Eisenhower, Pope John Paul II, Jane Goodall, and Martin Luther King, among others, is cited as the process by which difficult situations were successfully transcended. In some cases, it was practiced for weeks on end, but even just 10 minutes can help settle a sense of distraction and overwhelm. Just remember, the more consistent you are in shutting off, the greater the benefit of calm. And if you're a leader or a parent, that benefit extends to those you serve. So as ironic as this is, I'm encouraging you all to turn off all of the chatter, all of the distractions, all of the messages, all of the noise for as long and consistently as you can And discover for yourself the magic of solitude right after this podcast. And that is Matipsy.
1: I love it. Thank you for that. And, you know, there's someone who would agree with you. Can you guess who?
0: There's someone who who would agree with me. Can I guess who? You?
1: Well, yes, me. But you know why me? Well, because you know, we talk a lot about Yaya and oh. one right, Yaya, Yaya would agree with you. Yaya um, would agree with me? She would agree with you.
0: you I know feel we so blessed. We,
1: <laughs> we think that to be a good Yaya, I mean, for all I talk about her, means being completely selfless. But that is not the case. So in true Yaya wisdom, she would say to me, Agapimbu, Yana voitis alius. Which means which means my love. To help others, you must first find peace in your own heart. Isn't that beautiful? And she would yes. tell me that the way to do that is to go inward, sit alone, either in prayer or in quiet meditation with the Greek worry beads, sit there and count the beads, right? Flip the beads and let it all go away and the answers will come.
0: Yes, I I can't agree more. You know, it's really just about putting the gate down on incoming messages and information and just stopping the flow so that you can deal with, with what is already packed in there needing to be dealt with and so much so often we we were so busy and we go non-stop from morning until night and we don't give ourselves that time to really work through some of the issues that we face during the day so yay yaya agrees with me I'm yes, so she excited does. thank yeah, you yaya. I'm so happy I feel you- good <laughs> Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe.
1: Go ahead, we'll give you a sec. Why, thank you. you. On our guest, because I'm super excited.
0: I think maybe we should.
1: Okay. Well, we were lucky enough to have him on our podcast back in 2020. But since then, some updates. He has powered through COVID with virtual shows. As such, he got noticed from the Magic Castle via his virtual shows and was asked to perform there twice. He's performed at the Chicago Magic Lounge, performed at the prestige mystique venues all over the place, Utah, Folsom, San Diego. He's performed on cruise ships, which we just talked about. And now performs daily in his new role of being a father to a beautiful baby boy. As he likes to say, he's not in the business of doing magic, but rather in making memories. Please welcome the talented, the handsome with the fantastic hair, the magical Derek Ostevani. I can't
2: believe it was three years ago when we uh, first did this.
0: Oh, wow. It just hit me that it was three years ago. It just doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but it was in the height of, of COVID. As a matter of fact, I, I want to say you were maybe our second or third guest on this podcast right at the very beginning.
2: It might have been the second, but I was at the very beginning. Yes.
0: Yes. And as Alex pointed out, so much has changed for all of us, but for especially you, but uh, before we get into all of that, just to give the audience a little bit more about you, we'd like to start with what we call our 10 quick questions.
1: 10 quick questions. 10 quick questions.
0: Yay! All right, are you ready, Derek? This is how it goes. Alex keeps the clock. Two minutes on the clock. I'll ask you 10 questions. The first answer that comes to your mind. Don't overthink it. Are you ready to go?
2: Am I I playing for a car? What's the prize? You're
0: playing for the fastest, most expensive car in the universe.
2: Got it. All right, ready.
0: Number one, do you believe in miracles? Absolutely. You better if you think you get in that car. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, can you make baby poop disappear?
2: I can, I've proven it.
0: Love it. What's worse, an illusion going sideways or the 2 a.m. hanger scream of a child?
2: An illusion going sideways.
0: What's the first word that comes to your mouth, mind when you think about you? Magic. Oh, I wonder if that's what your wife thinks. <laughs> what was the first live concert or theatrical show you ever saw and how old were you?
2: I believe it was my favorite brand, band, uh, Green Day, and I was well, maybe 18.
0: What's the one thing you wish you could stop doing?
2: Pleasing people. <laughs> Although that's
0: a tough one, right? It's I a,
2: mean, it's a gift, and it's, a, a
0: good it's right. Double edge, double edge. If you could fly anywhere in the galaxy, where would you go first?
2: Anyone in the galaxy, uh, if that was an option, I would definitely explore outer space.
0: Derek, your life is but a pizza. What is topped? What is it topped with?
2: i oh, so okay. Not in a traditional sense. Uh, it's topped with um, lots of love from friends and family, uh, excitement, joy. Um, and always something new.
0: What's the most common, or on the other hand, most ridiculous thing said to you by someone while you were performing?
2: You're an alien. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are you?
2: I'm not, but you can actually see footage of this when uh, I did a bit with KUSI, that the, 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 the news in the in the studio repeated it several times. It was,
0: Interesting. Hmm. That wouldn't come to mind when I look at you, necessarily. You don't look like an alien, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, I hope
0: not. And lastly, if Pierce Bronson were dyslexic and married Tony Braxton, what might their child's name be?
2: Braxton Pierce Ostavani, that's my son's
0: name. That's what (laughs) I'm
2: talking about! (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo!
0: We just wanted to see if, you know, it would spur any, 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 you know, memory, any, any re- remembrance of what the name actually means. Excellent. Thank you for playing 10 quick questions.
2: Yeah. Good questions.
0: Very good. You were very quick, very quick. Yes. I, of course you would be though, right? Because that's what you do. You As a, as a magician, as an illusionist, as a mentalist, you have to be quick on your feet. Yes.
2: Uh, you know, I, I think it definitely uh, enhances your performance because, you know, unlike some some art forms like like a theater, you know, you don't have people uh, just sporadically saying something to you. But as a magician, you do. And, you know, I'm not saying every magician is quick on their feet. uh, But over the years, I have taken pride in being quick on my feet. And, you know, I think it's I think it's fun. I, I enjoy when people kind of sporadically say something or some banter to to an extent of course um but it it is it's fun it's fun to be on your feet and play with the audience so you know it is important for me
1: where does the line get crossed when does it become too much
2: Uh, it becomes too much when you know more so um on stage than close up but it becomes too much when either a i just can't get through an effect or b I'm I'm you know my things are scripted to an extent and if you keep going back and forth I'm you're losing my concentration
1: mm-hmm. and how, you, do of you hand- yeah. Yeah. how do you handle that
2: you know uh, you know you never want to jump down a person's throat. that's never good um you know I, I I'm an easygoing person and I, I I let it slide and you know nine out of ten times it's it's never too much you know just having fun um there has, you know, I've been doing this for nearly 20 years. So, you know, in my experience, of course, there's going to get those people that are out of hand and it's, it's normally, you know, alcohol induced, um, Mm -hmm. you know, but I I usually after a couple of beats, um, I try to let the audience handle it. Cause if I handle it, I'm the bad guy. The audience handles it, you know, all is good. Um, But I I normally uh, say to them, if it goes to this extent that like, listen, you know, not so much for the disrespectful on my part, but all these people are here. They may never be here again. They've traveled far, they've paid lots of money and you're ruining their experience.
0: Yeah, it really is a tight rope that you walk when that happens. It's, I I don't believe it's clear to the audience as it is to you when you're up there and you're trying to fend somebody off who doesn't know when to quit. Because the last thing you want to do is is look like you can't handle it to the audience, to the rest of the audience, and that you're losing control. Uh, that makes everybody uncomfortable.
2: It, it makes them uncomfortable. And then it also tells them that it's okay to just pipe up and, and talk out loud and interrupt the show.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's why uh, it's important to be quick on your feet when you're performing live with an audience. And you're engaging with the audience because you really don't know what's going to be said or who's going to be feeling particularly, uh, you know, uh, wanting to push your buttons that night. You know, but you don't know.
2: You don't. You don't. You know, like I said, a lot of times alcohol is involved and, um, you know, I, I, they get a little rambunctious. And there was one time at the castle you know, I've done about 60 shows there. And it got to the point where I said, if you guys keep speaking up, I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. And sure enough, I did. And everybody else could not thank me enough, because it was just ruining everybody's time. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So how, in fact, did you ask them to leave?
2: I just said, you know, if you guys, you know, speak up one more time, I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. And that was it. And, um, you know, I felt like any any more for them to to speak up was intentional it wasn't them having fun like they knew what was going to happen and and so like i said they they piped up and i said you know please you know exit the door kindly
0: and does the did the magic castle in in this uh, circumstance did they support you did they help get these gentlemen out of the room for you or were you on your own
2: they're not in the room with you as you're performing um and when they saw them leave, they just assumed that they had to go to dinner. Um, but I made sure to chat with them afterwards and just let them know, hey, this, this group's a little bit rowdy. I mean, it's, it's nothing that they're uh, not familiar with mm-hmm. being a nightclub that serves alcohol.
0: Yeah, I would imagine, I would imagine not. And I would also imagine that there's some kind of agreement that you make with a ticket buyer that, uh, you know, they're going to behave themselves or they're subject to be exited from the building.
2: Sure. No, they're, they're very strict over there. Um, If, if people listening don't know, you know, there's a very strict dress code and um, it's invitation only. And if somebody gets invited and they go to the castle and they misbehave, um, they will get in trouble on the spot. But then whoever invited them will also get in trouble, unfortunately.
0: Hmm. So wow. today's tipsy was about solitude. I'm, I'm wondering, do you have a, a solitude practice that you incorporate into your day or week?
1: Especially now. <laughs> with the newborn. <laughs> right.
2: I, I don't, you know, I'm a I'm a fairly easygoing, kind of calm person. Um it takes a lot to to rile me up. Um But, you know, listening to to what you were saying, it makes sense. Like, and I, you know, because everybody has their limit. So, you know, you you should, a person I feel should always be prepared when that limit gets reached and do something to practice uh, uh, the solitude. But I just haven't thought about it. Maybe I'm too busy, but I need to now.
1: Mm.
0: Well, it's also, uh, I've noticed that when there isn't anything on, and I I tend to, not like a lot of background noise i'm i'm not the guy who works with the tv on yeah. drives with the radio on you know, unless there's something that i want to listen to or unless i want to not be in my own head mm-hmm. and i want to you know just get out of my own head then i'm usually doing things in quiet and i have found for myself that that even if i'm driving in quiet or showering in quiet, my mind works really well during those moments, and and I'm solving problems that you know before then felt unsolvable.
2: It, it's interesting you say that. You know, it, it is in in the days you know that we live in, the day and age we live in, it's hard to find silence, um, especially you know having a newborn. Um, but but that that reminds me of based on what you just said, when I go running. I My mind is completely clear, and I think about things and I solve problems, and I enhance my own performance in my head. And I'm not, you know, it's not like okay, I'm gonna go on this run and I'm gonna think about this. Um, but when I start running, my mind my mind starts racing, mm-hmm. and I find that that is very uh, relaxing and productive.
0: It's pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's a moment, even and I assume you're you're running with something in your ear or you're running
2: not always i just run
0: yeah yeah
1: away from something is something chasing you just good (laughs) (laughs) just or
0: basically yes everything you're running (laughs) away from everything that's pretty much what it is but you come back
2: away from everything and at the same time i'm running to everything to
0: everything that's exactly right yeah great beautifully
1: beautifully put yeah
0: (laughs) so aside from a talent for magic, mentalism, performance. What traits must an up-and-coming uh, illusionist or performer have to attain success?
2: Number one, for any anything you want to be good at is dedication. You know, people constantly like, oh, I could never do that. Well, you haven't spent 18 plus years of your life honing those skills. You know, and I look at somebody who maybe plays the guitar or, you know, um, uh, dances. And I I, I kind of have this, this thing in my my head. Uh, it was another question you guys were going to ask me, I think, as, as far as like a life motto. And if I look at something and I really like it, I, and I look at another person that's doing it, and they don't have any extra abilities or or they're not physically gifted, I look at them and I say, well, if they could do it, why can't I do it? So the most important thing is to have the passion, right? Because if you're forced to do something, nobody's going to want to do it. No one's going to put in those, those 10,000 uh, hours. But when you love something, you know, you got to have that dedication. I've I've had many people approach me and say, Derek, will you, will you teach me magic? And I'm happy to. If somebody has a genuine uh, interest in it and will put the time into it, I am I'm happy to. But what I find is they just don't have the the dedication or or I guess just the interest, right? So they really were interested then they would be, be dedicated. And when I first got involved in magic, uh, and I won't go through the whole story, but it was a friend and I at a magic shop and we bought the same trick and we both went home and I practiced it and practiced it and practiced it and made a career out of it and he gave up after a few days. So it's not to say that he didn't think it was cool. he just didn't love it like I did. So that's the, yes, you're going to say something
1: Alice? No, I'm just going to ask you, do you wonder, I wonder if kind of like with singing, if it's, oh, this is really cool. But then when you find out all the work involved and that's where they're like, yeah, okay, I don't really want to, I don't want to spend that much time. I don't want to work that hard for it. And I don't mean that as uh, any, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I think it goes to what you're saying. If you're not that passionate, you don't want to. You don't want to work that hard for it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's it. Like, I think if you are passionate, you don't care how much time it takes. Now, I will say it's kind of dependent in your, in like where you are in your life. Right now, I probably picked it up on the, towards the like end of where I could pick it up. I was 21. Right. And that's like, right. When you start getting responsibilities in life. But if I were to try and pick it up now, you know, and let's say I had a different job and a full time job and I'm married and have a baby, mm-hmm. um, you know, it would be very, very slow progressing. You know, it's you, you when you have a lot more time, you can dedicate towards something. But then it's do you do you want it if you have that time and you do want to dedicate it? Are you passionate enough to dedicate all the those hours of practice and dedication?
0: I, I, I think. Uh what you're basically saying here is that when you love something you find the time
2: 100%. and
0: you make it happen and the time doesn't isn't as big a it's not even it's not even figured into the equation oh this is going to take this much time because there's such love for what it is you're doing that time just evaporates
2: yes yeah I mean You. you, I, you know I remember practicing countless hours until I fell asleep, and as long as I had nothing to do, I didn't care about the time.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I I don't ever believe that I had that kind of passion uh, to practice something every day, to uh, you know do scales, to uh, go through routines, to you know on a daily basis that kind of discipline. And I've always marveled at those who who do because those are the those are the great talents, right? Those are the people who make it look easy. Yeah. Because and we don't see the work behind it.
2: Yeah, I think ultimately, right? That's how you want to make it look effortless. Effortless. Um, and uh, I, I lost my train of thought. Um,
0: Welcome to the
1: club.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was something you were saying. Um, I I guess just. Oh, oh, right. Right. Remember now. And, you know, as I, I mentioned earlier, that sometimes I look at somebody and say, well, if they could do it, why can't I do it? Right. Now, <clears throat> I used to love basketball and I used to want to be in the NBA and I would watch Michael Jordan and he is six foot six and I am not six foot six. And so that's something that's like a physical hindrance. Right. Why? I right. can't jump that. I can't do that. You know, Um But, you know, if it was if it was something uh, legitimate thing that I would look at that a a person could, you know, had no um, spectacular physical uh, attributes and they can do something and I wanted to do it and say, okay, well, why can't I do that? And if I loved it enough, I would do it. And that was kind of like my first uh, inspiration. And in in fact, before magic, my 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 passion and love was drawing and painting. And I I had a, a, a my my brother had a friend. And he would always come over with these drawings, these pencil drawings. And I was like, it's phenomenal. And he gave me one and I I would stare at it and just, I would just look at it and wonder what it takes to replicate something like this. Cause I was, I never knew, I, you know I'm sure I did a little drawing here and there in school but this this style drawing very much, uh, um, you know, just I just gravitated towards it. And so I sat down with his drawing a blank piece of paper, and I tried to replicate it. And it was my first time. And I got to say, for my first time, I was like, wow, that's not bad. And so that gave me the motivation to continue on. I think that's important, too. Right now, saying this out loud, um, I think you have to you you don't have to be amazing at something at the beginning, but you have to have uh, you have to gravitate, gravitate towards it and and maybe excel in it a, a little bit, so you do have the motivation to keep going, right? So you it's like it's like weight mm-hmm. loss or mm-hmm. down eating right, and they don't see anything happening. They just like, oh, what's the point? But as they see pounds and pounds being shutting off, they're getting more and more motivated.
1: Mm-hmm. How important do you feel is your willingness to fail?
2: You know, interesting enough, i go back to Michael Jordan. he had a quote that said, "I failed that therefore I've succeeded." now nobody nobody goes to fail, right? You put all this work into into in order to succeed, um, but you're never going to learn until you fail. you're going to do something and it's going to work every single time until it doesn't, and then you're going to learn something about that and realize why it didn't work, and then the next time it's going to be even better than it was the previous time <clears throat> yeah
0: we uh we I think our relationship with failure has been um a bit off these last few decades uh, feeling that failure is a problem and an inadequacy rather than just just a a hurdle that needs to be you know transcended that needs to be you know hopped over at some point uh, because nobody lives without it it's true it's just that those who achieve the most are those who are able to deal with it the most and plow through it until they are successful.
2: You, you come out strong mm. on the other end. Yeah. yeah.
1: You need to look at it as a blessing because you right. don't know where your ceiling is until you hit it. Sure. And that's when you can break through it.
2: Yeah. Well said.
0: So much easier to say than to actually do and yes. and feel, you know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's just hard to and it's hard for for us to say that's not something we can do. Uh, that's not something, uh, you know, we can help you with. We don't like to do that. We, we feel like we're failing even in that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we need to get over that. Don't we?
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to come clean. Uh, Derek, Mm -hmm. I am not a huge fan of hypnosis shows. Uh Um, they, they just, for me, they don't seem credible. Um, So I'm just wondering, are there times when you you sense that you're not getting authentic results uh, when you're working with people who come on stage? And if so, what might you do to ensure the show is working for the audience?
2: Yeah, it's a a good question. You know, before I got into hypnosis, I kind of felt largely the same way as you. And I didn't know, is it real? Are people acting? Are people just playing along? What's going on? and I was always curious about it, but it's not very tangible for me to kind of like get into it easily. And so it, that's just what it was, a curiosity. <clears throat> and I had a um, a friend of a friend come and stay with me, an older friend, who used to be primarily a magician, but has transitioned to being primarily hypnosis. And he said, I could teach you this. You know, I'll I'll tell you everything you need to know. I'll be your mentor, give you scripts, give you music, you know, forever. Any questions you have, I'll be there for you. I was like, all right. You know, if I I pay him the money to to teach me this and I get one gig out of it, it'll be worth it. So he did. He taught me everything and um, was always there if I needed him. But once he left, it kind of just went by the wayside. Again, it's not tangible. Wasn't easy for me to practice it. And about three months later, he reached out to me and said, can you fly to Indiana and do a show for me? And I said, yes, yes, I can. I'm a kind of person that um, when I'm put to the limit, I'll, I'll make it happen. You know, I didn't I didn't go forward and and push myself for something that I thought, well, I don't know what's going to come of this. But when I when I saw an end goal, I was like, yes, I will definitely uh, put the work in. So <clears throat> The first person I tried to hypnotize was my mom. And that was a terrible idea uh, for two reasons. One, she also didn't believe in it. And two, she's my mom. Like she knows me, right? So it didn't really work out very well. So I I got even more nervous. So I called a friend and I said, I want you to get a group of friends together that I don't know. Tell them that you have a friend that is a hypnotist. Don't tell them I'm practicing. Don't tell them it's my first time. Because one of the things that's important is that the audience realizes that this is a thing, that this actually works. Because if you don't want it to work as a spectator, it won't work. I can't force it to under hypnosis, right? So he did just that. I brought a group of, group of people. It was it was less than ideal conditions. It was just in a living room. There was a few chairs and a couch. And, um, and there, was a, there was a newborn baby. And I, I told him, I was like, hey, like, can we put the baby in the other room? Um, because another thing is that you can't be distracted. And there was maybe about seven people. And I was able to get about two or three people under hypnosis. And the moment that they went under my confidence level shot up and I knew it worked. I didn't have to believe it. I didn't have somebody to to tell me that it worked. I knew that it worked. Um, And I went and I did my first gig and it went fantastic. And I was very proud of my first show out there in Indiana. Um, now to, to answer your, your question more specifically, there's a reason you bring up you know a group of people, fifteen, 20 people, um, because not everybody goes under. Like I said, everybody can, but maybe they're distracted, maybe they're they're thinking about something else, maybe there's a loud noise, maybe the person next to them, you know, nudge them, whatever. For whatever reason, likely not everybody will go under. So people that don't go under, I send them back to their seats. And if I ever feel the people that are under, if I feel that they're just playing, I also send them back to their seats. Not not in a bad way, not in a, I'm trying to be but I just want everybody up there to be legitimately fully under hypnosis.
0: Have you ever had a time uh, doing a hypnosis show when nobody has gone under?
2: <laughs> Knock on wood, that has never happened. Um, it's always been a, a fear, of course, Uh, But like I said, I get I get about 20 people under uh, or I I put them under and do the induction. And sometimes I'm left with 15 and sometimes I'm left with five. But you know what? I actually prefer even having five because I know that those five are are like under very deeply. Number one. Number two, it's less people for me to control. And so I feel like we can have a little bit more fun that way.
1: How can you tell? How do you know when somebody is?
2: Yeah, there's a, um, there's a couple, couple tells. I mean, it's kind of just like you could see their body. I mean, there's certain things that I look for at certain moments during the induction um, and there's points when their body just goes limp. You know, it's like, it's like when, if someone were to hold your, your hand and drop it, it takes a second. Right for it to actually fall down, but if that's dead weight, that's going to go the second that your hand releases it, and I could I could see that in their in their body language. And in fact, I'll even do that. I'll just take their hand and and drop it and see um, you know how it flops. Um, that's one test. And like I said, just their body just hunched over, you know, just they're completely out. And those two things for me are, are uh, a great way to know. And then and then when I start giving them suggestions. You know, and I could tell if somebody is legitimately under hypnosis or they're just kind of going along with it.
0: Does your show prep or your pre-show prep differ when you're doing a show of hypnosis or mentalism as opposed to uh, an illusion show or a sleight of hand show? Do you prepare in a different way?
2: Uh, As far as do I prepare personally or like, you know, when I'm in front
0: of you? your oh, your own self before these performances?
2: Yeah, when I prepare for hypnosis, it's very much just getting down my pattern and understanding transitions, right? There's not a lot of physical things that I need to prepare for, not, not a ton anyways. Um, so it's just this repetitive uh, pattern and speech of the induction in, in my head. Not in my head, I mean, I, I do it out loud. And for magic, it's it's the same thing, but I'm actually doing physical things, you know, doing the moves, you know, while I'm talking to the audience and and doing the powder. So, so magic to me is much more complicated than hypnosis.
0: You warm up, do you warm up your body? Do you, you say you run, do you run before performance to, you know, ensure that your, your body is working as you want it to?
2: sometimes i mean i just do that generally for myself uh it's never like i got a show today so i have to go run or or work out um but i I tend to do it you know on a a very typical basis anyways Mm. it is nice to kind of just relax yourself
0: before a performance
2: sure yeah uh
0: the last time we spoke the the last time we spoke folk is not a word well it is but talking about people the last time we spoke we were focused on virtual performances have you continued to do any virtual performances
2: i have continued to do some um i'm no longer pushing it like i was when that was the only option um it's funny enough it's not my um my preference although it's easier I'm, i'm at home in my own studio i don't have to really set up or break down I don't have to drive anywhere and use gas and park and unload and all that stuff, but there's nothing like seeing magic in person. You know, people have seen it on TV. They've, they've seen it on, uh, on YouTube and constantly. I always hear, man, I I see it all the time, but I mean, it's right in front of me. It's underneath my nose. It's in my hands. There's nothing like that, 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 that one-on-one action, you know? I mean, uh, imagine like, like long distance dating and, you know, let's say I'm dating you guys and this is, this is it. This is all we had was this video. You wouldn't want that. You'd want to be in person.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. That's why I feel sorry for future generations. Anyway. (laughs) um, (laughs) What kind of virtual performances are you doing? Are they shows for people in other countries? Are they, performances for students I'm curious to know who is engaging still virtually
2: yeah the ones that I'm that I'm still doing on occasion virtually are, are still um, largely corporate events um, but it's events or or um, companies that have multiple offices and aren't flying everybody out you know for one event and they want to do an event virtually and um so they have you know an entertainer such as myself and so there's people in different offices different parts of the country or the world um all engaged in this one show
0: you know i see that as a potential benefit to employees mm-hmm. just little time out breaks for you know a short performance a short something uh, you know, a, a musical performance to inspire you, um, a magic performance to, um, you know, just revive your sense of of engagement and play. Uh, it's not something we do in this world today or consider, but it seems very viable to me that it could be offered uh, to those companies with big, sure. big... Uh, uh, employee roles, you know, and, and people around the world.
2: Yeah, no, I think it's a sense of camaraderie, you know, and they get to see each other and interact with each other mm-hmm. and experience something special with each other. And again, every company's different. You know, some companies don't have a large budget and so they can't fly everybody out. Uh, last night I did an event for a company, uh, 1500 people who flew them all in from different parts of the country. And I was, I was a a performer and then they had one Republic, which was the main act, you know, and so they get everybody engaged that way.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's still what we prefer too. Absolutely. But, um, well, definitely it would be nice to see virtual performances, not as a substitute, but as, uh, just another thing, another something that's done to whatever camaraderie, um, engagement, you know, to increase productivity. Uh, it's just sort of sad that what we're seeing, it's great that you're doing it. We're not so much Mm -hmm. in our world of events. It seems that people are really focused on live, 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 which is great. We, like you said, it's better than it's the best. Uh, it's just seemed that it just feels a bit like we've let go virtual nobody cares anymore until again we're going to have to care right whenever that is
2: right yeah agreed
0: now you're a father huh i am i'm
1: yay
0: (laughs) six six months now
2: no three months this thursday
0: (laughs) three months this thursday how how does this impact your work decisions now that you're a, a papa
2: it's it's tough you know my my day-to-day tasks are, are not as as efficient right now you know I'm, I'm working on a computer you know sending out proposals or emails and, and then I have to you know tend to the baby and go back and forth so it's not as fluid as I would like um, I've turned down two or three cruise ships because I just felt like it wasn't fair to my wife and baby to be gone for so long you know so um,
0: how long do they want you on
2: uh, close to two weeks so it's usually like 11, 12 days kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, although it's great and I love them, I just, you know, I don't want to regret anything. And, you know, it's it's harder because you think it's yeah. only this age once, but they'll always only be that age once. But I don't know, I, I feel like a baby, being a baby in that stage is different than, let's say, you know, the stage of 12 versus like 15, you know?
0: Mm. Uh-
1: well, there's a lot of firsts right now, and there will always be a lot of firsts, but the firsts are different. And when you're away, the first can be enjoyed still. Right. But as a as a baby, you miss it. You miss it.
2: Yeah, yeah. that's a thing. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. You know, I really don't. So how hard is it? How hard is it for you to
0: turn down work?
2: It's it's not easy because it's my sole source of income. Mm-hmm. Nobody pays me vacation or, you know, uh, I don't get a paternity leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I turn down work, it's just lost.
0: And with no expectation that other work will follow, that might be more um, interesting or more av- available to you or doesn't require you to travel, right? There's no guarantee that's going to come if you turn something down.
2: Right, because it's it's a gamble. Yeah, maybe, right, maybe uh, in that you know, week and a half, two weeks, I would have gotten something else that would have paid me just as much or close or maybe even more. But um, the chances are are not super good. Um, And, and then also, like, as, as from the client's perspective, you don't want to keep saying no, because you keep saying no, they're gonna move on to somebody else. And Mm -hmm. they're gonna forget about you.
1: Yeah,
0: Unfortunately, that's the way it works.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, but yeah. Do, and do they understand why you're saying no?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think so. You know, um, I, I think only truly a person that has a child of of, of their own would understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think they do understand, but that doesn't. I don't. I don't know. I'm not in their shoes and not of their head. I don't know if if that you know, in a year from now, says, let me go back to Derek. A year ago, he had a baby. You know, and they might, but again, if they moved on, if there's other people, you know, that's now worked with them, you know, three, four, five, half a dozen times, they're going to be more com- comfortable with them.
0: Yeah, I think also um, being in that position with performers, uh, in what we do, I-, I think there's an understanding. Okay, Derek is a new dad, and and he can't take this gig, but that even that only goes so far. Right. Uh, if every time uh, I were to call Derek, I got the same response, then you're right. I'm going to stop calling Derek, not because I don't like Derek or want to work with Derek, but because it's clear that Derek has other priorities. And what it becomes is just, a. it starts to feel like a waste of time and right. energy to call Derek. Yeah. Uh, it's almost akin to over-explaining why you can't do something. I was thinking about this just yesterday, as a matter of fact. Uh, You know, when you're putting out a call as an agent or as a, you know, if you're casting something and you're casting a group, per se, and somebody can't do the show and they want to explain to you over the phone, that's perfectly reasonable. But when that phone call turns into a 30-minute phone call, of apologies, then that's not reasonable. That becomes a waste of time for someone who now needs to move on and find somebody else in your stead. So it's sort of a tough thing to say no as a performer. You have to do it in a way that's completely inoffensive and also shows an awareness that you know the person is busy and that you've wasted some of their time Perhaps, and if you have, you want to acknowledge that. Sure. That next time when there's a call, there's an understanding.
2: Right, right. Yeah, it would have been nice if I could have taken my family. You know, that would have been different, but that wasn't allowed.
0: You oh really? Mm -hmm. Even though you would, you had your own cabin, I assume, right? As a
2: yeah, well, a couple things. Um, one, some cruise ships don't allow children under six months. Mm and then and then also sometimes you will stay in the crew quarters and so you got to be 18 and up for that
1: uh so you'll
0: you'll escape one hurdle in a few more months but the other hurdle remains depending on where they want to put you Mm -hmm. so it depends on the cruise line correct correct and what their setup is and and where what they consider you to be as the performer coming on there's probably a category within the ship uh, scrolls of where you fit in in the hierarchy i i imagine that was the way it was when we worked on ships years ago
2: yeah yeah i'm sure things have changed and you know i'm glad i've done some and i and i hope to continue to do more because they're a lot of fun and they're some of the best stages i've ever performed on
0: great audiences right
2: yeah yeah great, great. They're there because
0: They're there to have a good time Mm -hmm. and they're probably a little liquored up before your show starts. So that doesn't. (laughs) Well, we talked about how that hurts, but it really doesn't hurt all that much, usually, uh, especially on a cruise ship, because people are there for longer than just a night. Right. So I imagine they're on better behavior.
1: Yeah, Yeah. because you see them in the hall the next day and they're going to be embarrassed. So,
2: yeah, right. If they're kicked out of the showroom. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had an issue with anybody on a, on a, on a cruise ship or anything. So
0: (laughs) do you feel living in Southern California, specifically in the San Diego area is a help or a hindrance to your career?
2: Well, you know, what I do, it's important to establish yourself. Um, And I think it's important to first start establishing yourself in a major area. Um, So I think it's been beneficial to me, you know. Especially San Diego is a um, uh, a very touristy area. Lots of events happen here, so there's a lot of opportunity.
0: And you're close to LA. Should that?
2: Correct. Yes, I go to LA and Orange County all the time, you know. And
0: from... and Palm Springs. Do you do performing? Do you do you go there often?
2: Yep. Not not often. Often, but yes, I have gone there.
0: Now. Um... What kind of information helps you to determine which show might be better for an audience? Say I, I call you, I'm a potential client. I don't really know what, what I want. Uh, I just know that, uh, you know, I, I think the idea of magic is, is right for my group, but I don't know what show to pick. What, what would you ask me? Or what would you want to know to help determine which show might be better?
2: Well, um, normally um, I do a lot of corporate events, so kind of um, my material is, is geared towards adults and not in the way that it's bad material or anything, but it's just, it's sophisticated. Um, so I, 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 on occasion, I have done family shows. So if, and if I do do a family show, that's important to know because some of my material will, will, uh, will change. But as a typical corporate show, for the most part, here's, here's my show, um, but your options are. Do you want strolling magic? Do you want stage magic? Do you want a combination? Um, and so, strolling magic's the easiest for the client, right? Because I come in. Once you, once you and I have negotiated everything, you don't even really have to talk to me again. Like I will be the least of your problems. I come in. I work out of my pockets. I engage the the, the crowd you don't have to worry about a thing. I'm in and out, you know, nothing has to really change. It doesn't change the flow. Um, but when it comes to, to stage, there's a lot more stipulations, right? So it's important to know how many people are there. Cause if there's, you know, more than, you know, seventy eight people, maybe like a stage, you know, for that so everybody can see properly. Um, and with that many people, you're gonna need some sound. Um, and then you got to think about the flow of the event. Is there a time where everything's going to stop? Food service, you know, no, no, no more, no more drinks, no dessert, no words. Everyone's seated, you know, all eyes on Derek, kind of thing. And if that's not the kind of event you're having, don't have a stage show because the last thing I want is to be up there, not have you know people not being able to pay attention to me.
0: What about if I said, "Oh, Derek, I'm not really sure what I wanted." To- Company is, um, pretty conservative. Um, you know, we, we still, we don't even have a casual Friday. We still come in suits and, uh, it's going to be a company affair. We're not necessarily going to have our, our spouses with us. Would would that make a difference?
2: No, no. Um, you know, again, my show is appropriate. Uh, there's nothing, uh, inappropriate with my show. Um, And uh, not having spouses may not be as fun, but my show would still be equally as fun. So it won't make a difference on my end.
0: What about the fact that it might be a more conservative audience? Uh, And by that, I don't mean politically. I mean, you know, just they're reserved. Reserved. Thank you for that.
1: If they're
2: conservative or reserved to the point that they're like, okay, is this guy summoning some external power? My advice to them would be, don't even get a magician. You know what I mean? Because everything (laughs) I do is going to be impossible. That's the point, basically, of magic. And so if that's a worry for them, then they should, you know, look to a band or a comedian or something else.
0: What I'm hearing is you're not not there to uh, change the minds of non-believers necessarily. That's not the point.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to go ever. Do I ever tell somebody I have an ability um, that I really don't have? It's all sleight of hand. There's a method to everything. I make it look like it's real magic. I make it look effortless. You know, and I mean, you know, I don't care who you are. We're all familiar with illusions. You know, like a mirage is a great example. You know, and that's not man-made. That's true. it's true. It's a good point.
0: yeah. well, the older you get, the more illusions you have.
2: Yeah, <laughs> really? That's delusions, Anthony really <laughs> Um,
0: you uh, you apparently started doing magic for free to to, I assume. Uh, level up your skills and, and get really good at it. So I'm, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on, on the statement working for free to make it?
2: Sure. I mean, at the beginning, I, I wouldn't have even thought to charge anything. I was just excited to share my, my passion of magic with people. Right. Cause initially I find, I find this love of magic and it's, you know, I didn't look at magic and say like, Oh, cool. I can learn that. And then I could show it to that person. I'm just like, wow, I can do that. That's amazing. So let me do that. And anytime I feel that you're so excited uh, about any one thing, you want to share that with people. And you share that with somebody and you realize, oh my God, they're loving this. They're excited as well. I'm making this person's day. And that fills your fire in a a different way. Um, And so, you know, I started when I was in college
1: and I'm just doing it
2: for roommates and at parties and at bars and friends and not thinking about um, doing this for a living or getting paid for it, um, but you know, uh, eventually I think, okay, well, you know, how can I, how can I, how can I do something on a regular basis? It wasn't even necessarily to get paid, but it's like, uh, how can I do something where I don't have to go look for an audience, but I have one set every week? And maybe maybe I, I started doing uh doing restaurants, and I think I you know at the time got paid little to nothing. And that was okay for me, I was just excited to, to do it. And but but you know, you do you have to, um, you know, get your chops somewhere. And, and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. You know, even before COVID, right, I'm, I'm doing corporate events and charging 1000s of dollars. And then COVID happens, and I'm doing everything virtually. Well, this to an extent is a is a brand new for me. You know, and so I didn't, at the beginning, I didn't charge nearly as much as I would have in person. But after I, I gained some skill, uh, understood what was going on, understood, you know, how to make a studio, um, learn, you know, specific effects that would cater itself towards uh, towards the camera, I started upping my rates and getting back to what I was uh, in person. So I to answer your question directly, it's, I think it's important to start off, you know, at a, a free or a cheap price gain your skills and work your way up. You know, learn to walk before you you run kind of thing.
1: Well, in essence, you're going to school, right? And the school is your audience. Yeah. And if you can do that and it's not costing you, you know, the education is priceless. Yeah. So, it's almost really not for free because you're gaining something.
2: You you are, and that's a good point. And you know, I did this dozen 12, 13 years before I went full time. And although I made some money throughout the ways, throughout the, the, the years, uh, I, I it was I looked at it very differently once I went full time. But I had, you know, a dozen or so years of of experience. I didn't just come out of college and be like, boom, okay, I'm gonna do this for a living.
0: Yeah, I think um, you know, it's such a, a a dirty idea almost to ask. First of all, I don't ask people to to work free, but it's it's a, a, a dirty idea, it feels like, for people to even consider for themselves. You know, I am not going to work for free. I am not going to do that. And that is a little short-sighted because what you're doing is you're saying, I'm not going to do something rather than saying, here is an opportunity for me to hone my skills meet people, get my name out there, let people know that this is where my focus is. There's so much to be gained. And certainly I'm not suggesting that you should do something for free when somebody else is making money off of what you're doing free. What I'm suggesting is there are opportunities to, like you found to push yourself out there and offer yourself up For no cost as a performer, so that it's a strategic decision and you're getting certain things out of it and you're doing it for a reason.
2: 100%. Yeah. And you get, you get to a point or to a level that you can decipher in, Hey, what's going to be a good event for me that I can, that maybe I should do this for free or a, a discounted price. Right. You know,
0: right. What is the measure there? It's not only just about money. Uh, And I I found that to be true in in business. You know, some people will say, well, you don't want to handle the small things. Well, no, that's never the way we've operated because the small things are the small things today, but you don't know what they'll be tomorrow. Sure. Some of them will always be small, but some of them will turn into much larger things just by saying, yes, we can do that yes, you know, we're willing to play with you. So it could be very, very short-sighted to say, no, free is not me. Go somewhere else uh, without thinking through.
2: Yes, I mean, I've done done as little as birthday parties for you guys to, you know, big corporate events. So, you know, it just makes sense.
0: That's right. And, you know, um, sometimes the birthday parties spend more. Than the corporate events too. Let me just
1: say. Yes, they do. And they're fun. Sometimes, you know, there's value in, and when I say small, I don't mean that in, in a negative way, but those smaller events can just be fun. Yes. And there is nothing wrong with just going out and having some fun.
2: Yeah, I've done events where maybe it wasn't the most I made, but I came off of it just having a blast. Mm-hmm. And, and that's priceless to me.
0: There's so many planners who won't touch social events. Uh, They just feel they're much too personal and they take too much handholding and time. Um, And I have to say that at one point in my career, I I felt that. Uh, But. Having been involved in corporate events for so long, I find them refreshing now, the private events, the parties. Mm -hmm. Because that's when we can really stretch our creativity and have fun with people uh, because there isn't a committee or a C-suite saying, yes, no, no, yeah, you know, there's just one person making decisions and uh, sometimes that's just much more fun.
1: And there's a whole level of appreciation that you get in those social events Mm -hmm. from the client. That's just lovely.
2: Yeah, no, it's interesting you say that. You know, um, uh, a great way to get started in magic is, is restaurant magic. And some magicians will get to a level and they'll poo-poo on restaurant magic. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, I don't care, you know, how big I get or how, how many years I've done this. I love doing restaurant magic and I will do it as long as I can. And it's great. You have a new audience every week. You can try new material. You're keeping up your skills. And I think, and there's, you know, extra cash, there's nothing wrong with it in my book.
0: What is the problem that uh, others have with doing restaurant magic?
2: There is an innate problem. And I'll tell you this, right? You're going to go and you're going to charge somebody thousands of dollars. And they can say, Oh, wait, I can just come and see you for free at a restaurant. And I mean, it, it's a little bit different. You know, It's you're not the, spending the same length of time with them, um, the same type of show and so forth. Um, but you know, there's just, I guess, that that image to it, mm. you know, I know, another guy, a uh, well-known magician in my industry who was doing seven to nine restaurants a week. And then he appeared on Fool Us and he was like, yeah, you know, I don't know. It just looks weird that I was on national TV and now I'm at these restaurants. So I think it's just a perceived image.
0: I think it's. Uh, it's, it, There's something wrong with that perception.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think the average person looks at a person doing magic in a restaurant and thinks, oh, they're at the bottom of their career. Oh, they must have no other options. Uh, That's not the way that I would think about it. Uh, And I'm in the business. It feels a little misguided, quite honestly, to be working, Mm -hmm. to be out there. To have an audience, to have people stop what they're doing, yes. to turn their attention to you when they're in the middle of a meal or expecting a meal or with their family—those are all really, really good things.
2: I agree, and it's not easy to to go, you know, and and approach someone there with in their world with their friends, and you're going and kind of, um, you know, breaking that breaking that apart.
0: It will make you a better performer. If you can do that smoothly, fluidly, effortlessly and with love and, and, and and have people turn to you willingly wanting to give you their attention, not begrudgingly that, that skill is like, we talked about failure. That skill is only honed by people not wanting to give you their attention, Right. right? Because that's how you work up the right routine to get them to turn around willingly and you're doing yourself an injustice if you don't put yourself in those situations so, so the same thing happens working as an entertainer in corporate events if you're if you are theatrically trained that's one thing and that's great but that doesn't make you the best person to work in corporate events because you might not have the personality. Yes. You might not have the wherewithal to deal with people who might throw you off track or heckle you or just refuse to give you their attention. You know, getting past all of that is really what makes you a stronger performer. Wouldn't you and
1: it's it's training. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I agree because, you know, there's a lot of magicians, but not all of them have the right personality to do you know, for example, for example, a corporate event.
0: Right. That's absolutely right. There are a lot of great singers. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of great headliners or a lot of great celebrities or a lot of very many talented people out there. Same thing can be said for them too. Yeah. If they don't have the right personality, if they're not willing to engage with an audience, it makes it hard to bring them in front of corporate
2: audiences. I always tell people, like, no matter how skilled you are here with a deck of cards, if you don't have this, it's the point?
0: That's what they need to have in addition to the talent is the personality, well, the passion, of course, but mm-hmm. also the personality and the willingness to um, engage with people. and and maybe even the desire to do it right because again if you like doing it then you're going to be better at it and you're going to practice it more absolutely so uh we have to get down to our nitty-gritty which is our last five questions of the podcast
1: (gasps) the bloodified (laughs) five
0: Uh, I don't even think you were asked these questions last time we had you on. It was so long ago, and you know we've changed up a bit. So, first question for you, Derek, is: What is your golden rule?
2: My golden rule. Um, can I have? Can I have more than one golden rule? Love it. Okay, so uh, definitely take pride in what you do. Whatever you do, you know my mom always said this: Whatever you do, do your best at it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, be flexible, like I said earlier. Be your client's least problem. If you can be flexible and change things around, and you make it easy on them, you're going to be so much happier. Um, and then finally, you know, get out there, spread the word, make yourself uh, as familiar with people, uh, or make people as familiar with you as possible. And uh, and remember names.
1: Mm-hmm. If you
2: take an interest in them, they'll take an interest in you. And it's something that I subconsciously did. And then people would point out, oh, Derek, you're so good at names. And I realized how strong and powerful that skill is.
0: Mm -hmm. It makes people feel seen when you remember their name.
2: People love the sound of their own name.
0: Yeah, it it makes them feel like you know who they are, that you actually took a moment to, to get their name. Yes. Uh, what is the one daily habit you have that you strongly believe contributes to your success?
2: Um, being memorable, I think is very important. Um, being prompt, not only, you know, being somewhere on time, but responding to a client on time, you know? Um, I always have my phone on me, I'm in front of my computer, client emails me, I almost try to get to them as immediately as I can, um, and in some too, it's not necessarily a client looking specifically for you. They might just be looking at, at several people. And if you're the first one to respond, your odds of, of getting that work uh, um, increase exponentially.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For sure. When no one is listening, what are you telling yourself?
2: You know, it, it goes to what I was telling you earlier that, you know, I look at somebody that is better than me or is doing something smarter than me. And I say, well, hey, if they could do it, there's no reason I can't do it. You know, and it doesn't matter whether it's a it's a card move or a presentation or a business move. You know, I had, a, I had an algebra teacher in high school that said, always be friends with people that are smarter than you.
1: Mm-hmm. Perfect advice. Very good advice.
0: Yeah. Uh, what is one change you'd like to see in the world?
2: Oh, man. What change you like to see in the world. This one I was not prepared for. I mean, you know, I, I know, like on a global level, people are like, you know, world peace, but I just want like just people suck sometimes. And I just want generally, like people to like not, you know, and you know, I, you know, I'll tie it back to magic. you know, I approach a lot of people, and there's some people I approach, and they they don't want to see it. And maybe they're not the. The nicest about it you know maybe they're having a bad day and that's okay but it's the people that like respond in a very negative way you didn't have to do that you know just don't be that way be be a cool person
0: yeah that's that's off-putting yeah right it feels as though they go out of their way just to be nasty when it wasn't necessary
2: takes more effort to do that
0: Mm.
1: Yes. a lot more energy to be negative than to be Mm -hmm. kind
2: yeah agreed
0: so Derek, what is your why?
2: What is my why just in yeah. life?
0: Yeah. Why, why, why? What keeps you motivated? And what's the reason you get up every morning and you know, do I, what you do?
2: Just daily, you know, um, you know, there's always something new. And as you, as you're a young kid, right, you, you aspire to, to do things like ride a bike, you know, and you get a little bit older and uh, you start getting interest in things, you know, maybe hobbies or, or girls, and then you go to college and you become a professional at something, and now your aspirations have changed from riding a bike to having a career, and then you have a you have a you have a wife, and and that's your aspiration. And then now I have a baby, you know, and now now that's my life. So it changes daily, but in a good way. In a good way, no. Yeah, not...
1: that's beautiful.
2: No, yeah, I think it's true. I mean. Ultimately, I, I'm I'm blessed and well, I have a career that I'm passionate about and I love and you know I have a loving family and and really you know uh, there's nothing more I can I can ask for you know I'm happy healthy and what else do you need in life?
0: Well, it sounds to me like you um you are intent on living as full a life as you possibly can.
2: Yes, I you know things that I I aspire to do I just I, I love to do it and you know. I, uh, I, I'm, you know, pa- magic's my passion right now. And, and I know it'll always forever be my passion, but I'm actually really looking forward to like, what's the next passion that's going to come along.
1: I have to say, um, you know, it's not that I stalk you. I stalk all our our, all our artists, just so you, you sh- I really don't. But what I do notice about you is that you, you lead a happy life and you exude happiness. And When I see your social media, it's not fake. Everything that you're sharing with your friends and your family and your fans, it's all real. Yeah. You are a real, you're a very genuine human and you're a genuinely kind human.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah. no, I I try not to put anything negative, you know, but everything you see is is positive. And like you said, it is 100% real.
0: One more question, Derek. Yes. Little Braxton Pierce comes up to you one day and says, Daddy, I want to be a magician. What do you say to him?
2: I, I got I got chills just hearing that. And it, it would it would be my pleasure to teach him. Um, you know, I'll never push him to do any one thing. He can do whatever he he likes. I will say that I don't want to inundate it with uh, inundate it, inundate him with magic because. It's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to be a magician, um, but it's special. It's special to me and it's special to the people that I show it to. And the last thing I'd want is for him to be an adult and see magic and just roll his eyes and and just say, oh, it's only magic. You know, it's I want it to be as special for him as it is. If not as special, if it's not as special to him as it is me, I'd like it to be as special to him as it is to just your everyday people.
0: I have so many more questions now, but I've already said that's the last question and we have to wrap up. So <laughs> I guess we're going to have to do this again, Derek, yes. in three more years.
2: Let's do it. No, let's not wait
0: that long. Yeah,
1: no, it, we shouldn't years.
0: really wait that long. It doesn't feel like it's been three years. It's, it's just crazy. I hate to even use that word because it, it just feels impossible.
2: It, it does feel like that, you know, year and a half, two years or so of COVID was just kind of like taken from us.
0: Yeah, it certainly did uh, push us all off course yeah. for a good while. It sure did. But we're so, so glad to have you in our midst still and to know that you're still thriving and better than ever and working hard and now you're a new papa so your life is definitely fuller than it was and will continue to fill up i'm sure as the years progress well thank, thank you for joining us thank you for
2: being here and seeing you guys and like i said let's not wait so long next time never <laughs> and thank you for all the the nice uh, nice words that you guys have both spoken
0: we're fans we all yeah. are in our office. And if ever Very that much. doesn't feel the case, then give us a call, please, because okay. we are. Okay, sounds good. Hey, thank you for listening to Bolotified.
1: If you haven't already, please like and subscribe.
0: And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast.
1: Bolotified is a production of Bolotta Entertainment.
0: Hey, that's a lot of Bolotta. Stay engaging.